you can be seated. Unless you are about fifth grade or younger. Then you guys can make your way to the stage if you'd like. I'm opening it up. Come on, everybody's fifth grade and under. Adults is probably worth some of you coming too, honestly. <laughs> What's up? You're saying hi to David. You didn't say hi to me. Y'all go and come on up. Y'all can come on right over here. Hey, parents, just shovel them out of the aisle. That's, all, that's how you do it. Just shovel them on out. <clears throat> cool. Y'all can come on up just a touch. Hey, sir, y'all ready for Christmas? All, you've already got all the presents wrapped for your parents? Yes. No, there you go. Kimber, you're honest. There you go. Um, so, I only one for Dad. You only got one for Dad. You yeah. You've already given one? And did y'all get, y'all got something for Mom too or no? Yeah, that's typically how it works for moms. We're going to get around to Mom, right? Yeah. One for each parent. One for each parent. Good. Well, you're way ahead of me. I got some work to do. Cool deal. I, I hadn't bought anything for my parents yet. Uh -oh. <sighs> but it's okay. Let's change the subject. Cool. <laughs> okay, quick question. Is anybody... <clears throat> I think I know whose child it is. What's interesting is the way that you see children oftentimes what their parents do. Right? Y'all know that? You know what I'm saying? You've, all, you've heard the expression, the apple doesn't fall far from the... Yeah, there you go. That's it. Hey, so quick question. Hey, is anybody up here, y'all ever get scared of the dark? No. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine. Uh, no? Maybe a little? No. So, hey, when I was your age, I would get scared of the dark every now and then. And you know what I would do? I'd have to run to my parents' room and I would like get in bed with them. Anybody, y'all ever, y'all ever do that? I always wake them up. You wake them up. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Surprise them in the dark. Which is here's the deal: if it's if it's in the dark, if it's in the dark, you can surprise them, right? So here's the question: why why can the dark be a little bit scary? Because you're monsters, right? You're like. Yeah, you could. Yeah, like those creepy movies yeah. that are in the dark that we're not supposed to watch. Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then, like those things, then they scare us a little bit, right? Yeah. So what's crazy is, is like in the dark, it's a little scary because, like, when it's dark, she is still in the show. So, hey, when, when it's dark, like you see a tree and sometimes that tree looks like an animal or like a monster or something. Because at night, you can't see all that well, right? You saw a baby coyote. That's what I'm talking about. Like in the dark, this stuff sneaks up on you. Okay? But here's the thing. Did y'all know that God has actually helped us even at night? He gives us a little bit of light. Like in the stars. What else he give us? The moon. That's right. But what about during the day? What's he give us? The sun. The sun. Okay. What does the sun do? Helps us see. Helps us see. What else? Anything else? Um, hurts your hands whenever you touch it. 
If a sun hurts your hands, if you touch it, that's, it would, that would be true. Yeah, that would be true. Get, gives us sunburns. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. A rough life. So, so and I love what y'all are doing. See, like it's really cold outside, and so we're talking about like swimming pools stuff. Yeah. That's a Jedi. That's a Jedi mind trick you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all know where this is going? Yes. Out of control. Let's get back. Let's get back. Okay. So here we go. Listen. So look. You thought that was funny? You want to tell a joke? You got a good joke? No? I got a good joke. No, don't do it. Hey, y'all want to know the joke real quick? No. Yes. Okay, no, we'll, we'll save it for later. We'll save it for later. No, we'll save it for later. Hey, Hannah, Hannah, what, what is the joke about the Christmas tree? How did the Christmas tree get the internet? Y'all know? I don't know. It logged in. Yeah, uh-huh. You can use that later. So here's the deal. Jesus, though, said this. Jesus said that he is the light of the world. And so what's interesting is, is that God gives us the moon and the stars by night. He gives us the sun by day. But do you know what he gave us for something that's really dark in our life? He gave us a flashlight. A flashlight. No, that's true. He also gave us his son, Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, I am the light of the world. And in John chapter 8, verse 12 is where he says that. And then he says that we who believe in him do not have to walk in darkness. So let me ask you this question. What is one thing that could be really dark in our life? The woods, yep. Anything else? Sin. Thank you. I'm, you're an all-star. Sin. Sin is a really dark thing in our lives, and which is why we need the light of the world. Because Jesus came to expose some of the dark things about our heart. And what's so fantastic about Jesus is that when we gather in this moment, even tonight, any time that we see light... It's a reminder that we can see in the darkness. And so anybody love Christmas lights? Yeah. So when you see a Christmas light, what I want you to think of is I want you to think about Jesus, the light of the world. Now, when, in a few moments, we're going to light some candles. We're going to sing some songs. And when we light those candles, guess what I want you to think about? Jesus. And what is Jesus? He's the light of the world, and he is God's son. So here's the deal. When we light candles, I want you to think about Jesus is the light of the world. Now let me ask you this, okay, real quick. Could this light work if it didn't have something? What's it have that has batteries, right? So I plugged this in earlier today to make sure that this worked. But what if, in my forgetfulness, what if I did not plug it in? That's right. We had been sitting in darkness. It had been terrible, right? But here's what's awesome is that it worked because there's a power source. Now, look, not only is Jesus the light of the world, but let me ask you this. Did you know that the Bible says that you and I are to be the light of the world? So how can you and I be the light of the world if we're not connected to 
Jesus. And Jesus is the power source. He is the power source. Jesus is our power source. And so as we go in a few moments back to our seat, what I want you to know is that Jesus is not only the light of the world, but he's what helps us let our light shine. And when I think about letting our light shine, it's in the way that we treat our brothers and sisters. It's the way that we think about Christmas. It's the way that we treat our friends. It's the way that we obey our parents. It's the way that we treat others. And so when we go from this place in a few moments, I want you to think about that Jesus is the light of the world and that he helps our light shine. But look, I'm not going to just tell you that. I'm going to give you something to help remind you of that. So in a few moments, we're going to pray. And after we pray, we're going to go off of the stage. And you can go that away, and some of you can go that away. And I got a couple of friends that are going to help us. But they're going to give you a little package. And in that package, there's a couple of goodies, okay? There's some, you can open this up, and there's like kind of some fun activities and stuff. Like if you're really good, you can help the shepherds find Jesus, okay? But it's only if you're a pro. Um, then, and then in that, there's a little candy cane, and then there's my favorite, uh, Andy's Mints. Um, yes, I love those, okay? Then, look, inside of there is a light, okay? Now, look, that light, you turn it on, and in a little while, when we sing and we light candles, you can do both. You can light a candle, but then you put that light on, and I want to see them throughout the room. And as you walk out of this room tonight, and even into your car, I want you to let that light shine. And every time that light shines, I want you to think that Jesus is the light of the world. So let's say that together. One, two, three. Jesus is the light of the world. That's it. So let me pray for us. And here's what we're going to do. On three, we're going to clap and then we're going to pray. One, two, three. Father in heaven, thank you that you are the light of the world. And thank you that when we stay connected to you, that we can let our light shine before others. And I pray that you would teach us, even when we're very young, to let our light shine. That, Lord, that we would not hide it under a lamp. That, Lord, that we wouldn't be scared or afraid because we know that you are with us everywhere we go. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us courage to be different, to stand out, and to remember that when we see lights at Christmas, it's just a reminder of who you are and, most of all, who you desire to be in us, the light of the world to help us let our light shine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Okay, here you go. A couple of y'all can go that away. A few of you can go that away. And a couple of you can grab something right here. Okay. We are the waiting ones, longing for the day to come when we are no longer waiting on the one who can save us from ourselves, waiting with bated breath for hope to reach out its hand from heaven and heal our helpless heart, waiting for a light to spark, a light to dawn, a light to diffuse the dark weed drawn like curtains over our souls, waiting for the promise to unfold like a map leading us to the treasure of treasures so we can behold and believe, waiting for peace, 
to supersede our anxieties and flow like a river through a dry and weary land where there is no water waiting for the Father to see fit to find us in our pit, pining in our sin, the spiritual slum we lived in. But when the fullness of time had come, he sent forth his only Son, incarnate one, the manifestation of God in the flesh, the epitome of a promise kept. He left heaven's majesty so we no longer have to be waiting. The birth of a baby a king, come to redeem the world he created. God, born in a borrowed stable, the light of man in a makeshift cradle. This is not a fable. The one who we have waited for is here. Peer into the manger and behold him who welcomes the stranger and breaks the chains of every captive. Our maker, our savior, our master is here, casting our fear into the ocean of his love. Emmanuel, God with us, go shout it on the mountain, cause our waiting is done. Good evening, gang. Wow, let's try that again. They were way much more interactive. What's up, gang? It's good to see you guys. Are y'all you, are already coming off of your meal and already uh, things are kind of setting in? You're like, I'm tired, okay? Uh, here, it's great to see you. Great to have you with us at Stone Point Family Christmas. Uh, if you're a first-time guest with us, we are so glad that you have chosen to hang out with us tonight. We'd love to meet you, get to know you, uh, enjoy a cup of coffee with you at the end of their service. Uh, and so if you are here, we would love uh, just to, to help you get connected in some way. Uh, real quickly, before we dive in uh, to our kind of uh, Stone Point Family Christmas message, I do want to give just a, a quick commercial break. I want to uh, update you on a couple of things. The first one is next Saturday, which is December 31st on New Year's Eve. We're going to have one service that weekend, and it's going to be on our Edgewood campus at 5 p.m. We're going to have a night of worship. It's going to be a fantastic chance to reflect on all that God has done in this past year, and then also uh, just to... Uh, prepare our hearts for all that God is going to do in 2023. And so it's with great anticipation that we'll sing together and celebrate our Savior together and hope that you can join us next Saturday, December 31st, again, 5 p.m. in Edgewood. That following Sunday, which is going to be January 8th, we're going to kick off a, uh, a sermon series as well. And uh, we're going to call it uh, God in Our Everyday Life. And the whole point of that is just how we begin to embrace all that God has for us. I think oftentimes we can think about how we uh, kind of put God in in our Sunday morning routine, and, and sometimes we give him a day a week, but really, God really wants us to walk with him every day. And so we're going to talk through how we accomplish that. It's going to be a fantastic message series to really help us walk more closely with the Lord. If you're looking for a church, uh, we would love for you to join us January 8th for that series as we 
uh, kick off the new year in a great way, really preparing our hearts uh, towards some spiritual disciplines and walking with our Savior more closely. Hope that you'll be a part again. That's January 8th. Now, here's the deal. Uh, this is Christmas time, and I don't know about you, but I love Christmas. This is absolutely my favorite time of the year by far. Hands down, it's not even close. At the end of Halloween, I know that there's two things coming, hunting season and Christmas. And, and Christmas is something I love because I have great memories as a child. I, I can remember family gatherings, festivities, games, great food. And when I think about Christmas, I think about sights, sounds, smells, and taste. I, I do love taste as well. But when I think about the sights of Christmas, I love Christmas lights. Matter of fact, as a kid, we would oftentimes load up in the car on Christmas Eve and after our family had come and gone late into the night, we would hop in the car and we would drive around town and we would see lights. And it was just a nostalgic thing that we still you know, do today. And, and even for our kids, we'll hop in the car and we might drive through the heart of Dallas and University Park and we just look at all the lights. And it's just a, a great reminder that Christ is indeed the light of the world. But it's not just that, it's, it's the, the smells of Christmas. I mean, cookies, baking, um, all types of different things. My mom makes this, uh, this thing called a, a peanut butter ball. And uh, it's this peanut butter goodness, it's heavenly, and then it's dipped in chocolate, which makes it double heavenly. I could eat literally three dozen of them in one sitting, um, and it's just fantastic. And I can smell when even it's beginning to be mixed, it's just the this, this smell that I have ingrained in my heart and mind. And, and what I would just tell you is that, that life is too short to eat bad meals. And so Christmas, I save it all up because it, it, it ultimately stirs in my heart the good stuff that there is. But the challenge is with all the sights and the sounds, the smells, uh, all the Christmas music that's going, I struggle sometimes with the wrestle of this nostalgic feeling I desire and the present reality I live in. What I mean by that is that Christmas oftentimes is really challenging for me. As a pastor, there's a ton of things to continue to get prepared for, to kind of work on as you end your year. Uh, listen, hospitals don't shut down. People don't stop getting sick. At Christmas, things just kind of continue to go. And so while I look to kind of get a little time off and have a little time with family and friends and those things, what oftentimes is the challenge is that my schedule doesn't slow down. And not only does my schedule not slow down, it seems like our kids' schedules pick up, right? And so there's parties to go to. There's questions to answer. Hey, are we going to do a gift exchange this year? Hey, is it going to be a white elephant gift? Oh, is that white elephant gift? Is it a real gift or a gag gift? Okay, are we, what's our limit? Is it going to be $10, $15, $20? Hey, are we bringing the kids, including the kids, not including? And what, what tends to happen is you have all these questions, and you've got two families, and you've got all these kids' parties, and you've got desserts, and you've got fruit, and you've got dips to make, and you've got chips, and all these different things. And we have three kids. And our, so you can multiply everything I'm talking about times three. And at the end of the day, you're like, I don't even know which direction we're going. On top of that, we have gifts to buy. Gifts for Kelly's parents, that's my wife. Gifts for my parents. Gifts for our kids. Gifts for nieces, nephews, uncles, aunts, all this. Anybody relate? And you just look up and you're like, my list is this long. I've got all these different things to do. And I don't know about you, but the anxiousness and the fretting and the worry can become a little bit overwhelming. The reality is I'm listening to Christmas music but the joy in my heart seems to be leaving quickly. 
And we're supposed to have joy deep, deep, deep down in our heart, right? But the problem is, is that Christmas oftentimes causes the joy to leave quickly. And then I'm reminded that Christmas, though it oftentimes does come with these nostalgic feelings, it really is a little messy. Matter of fact, the first Christmas, when you think about the sights and the sounds and the smells, were messy. Matter of fact, what you found yourself in in the very first Christmas was in the town of Bethlehem, nestled in a cave in the humble place of Bethlehem, was a savior that was going to be born in this city, the city of David. And roughly 2,000 years ago, this, this couple, with probably some anxiousness in their hearts and minds, bore a child. There was probably a little bit of fretfulness, probably a lot of questions even around their relationship at the time. Something that we normalize and we think as a nostalgic thing was actually probably pretty chaotic. How is this woman bearing a son if they've never been together? You have a husband in Joseph that she was, he's betrothed to this woman, Mary, and, and he would even say, hey, I've never been with her, and she's having a child who she's been with. And you could just imagine the fretfulness and the anxiousness and the worry and the strife of that. But beyond that, then they find themselves in Bethlehem, and there's no place for them at a normal hotel. There's nowhere for them to stay. There's no family that's going to receive them in. There's nothing warm at the table. There's no soups or chilies. There's no crackers or cookies. There's no desserts. They find themselves lonely, isolated, afraid, and in a cave. And in that cave, they find themselves surrounded, not with people, but with animals. And the sounds of Christmas in some ways, are probably somewhat silent. The smells are the ones that a lot of us rednecks in this room have smelled the last couple of days. Hay, manure, as you've been taking care of animals in the cold, that's what they found themselves in. It was a mess. But what's awesome about that is that in that mess, it just reminds us that it's acceptable for us to have a chaotic and messy Christmas. Why? Because the first Christmas was messy. It just really was. It wasn't that Jesus was just born in a manger, but what you need to realize is that Jesus was born in a place where there were challenges. Challenges within the people that he came to save. Challenges within the culture that he found himself living in. And could you imagine having a child in the midst of a natural disaster? No hospital. That's happened. Did you know that? Could you imagine having yourself a child in the midst of a pandemic? That's happened, hadn't it? Or in the time where inflation was high and you were worried about if you were going to have enough money to afford a child. Friends, that's what the first Christmas was. Matter of fact, when this Savior, Jesus, was born, the one that we would call the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the one that we would refer to as a Messiah, when he was born, I want you to know he wasn't born merely into a pandemic. He was born into a king's leadership there that wanted him dead. Matter of fact, what Joseph and Mary had going on in their life was probably quite challenging. But can you add on top of that that there was a king named Herod who wanted every child dead in the area that was two years and under? Now, I don't know about you, but having our first child was a little bit, a little bit fretful. There was some anxiousness, a little worry. Being a first-time parent kind of brings some challenges, doesn't it? Could you imagine becoming a first-time parent knowing that God had birthed something in you that was not born of natural flesh and then actually being born by yourself in a lonely place with no doctors, nurses, or help 
And then more than that, there is a king who has people searching for your son. That's the messy Christmas that was happening back then, which just reminds me of what Jesus really came to do. Jesus came to enter into a mess. Now, when I think about a mess, I think about my life. I think about the way I respond at Christmas when things don't necessarily go my way. And I think about the messiness that oftentimes I experience. Just the other night, we're trying to have a family game. We're playing, and, and our family game ends in a fight, you know? It, it's, it's a fight because somebody loses, and they thought they were going to win. Now, there's some laughter in the room because you're like, I can relate. That's what our family night ends up in. It's like this nostalgic feeling. We're going to get everybody around. We're going to play some games, have some fun. And it's fun until daddy wins again. And it ain't fun anymore, is it, right? And so we have, we have tears. We have idle threats. It's like you got to go to bed. And it just, it just falls apart. And it's incredible because in the midst of all of our unrest, in the midst of our quarrels, I'm just reminded of why our Savior came. I'm reminded that in the dark parts of my heart, that Christ came ultimately to bring peace. He actually came to pursue and get near to me, which I don't know if you've ever thought about. Why was Jesus born into poverty rather than into the palace? Why was he born into rags, swaddled in cloths in a manger, rather than born into riches? Because he is ultimately a king, but if he was, if he was born in the way that Jews would have loved him to be born, if he was born as a prince or a pauper, then friends, he wouldn't identify with us as people. And so the way he was born was a fitting thing for God to do to help identify with us that in our mess, there was one who came to seek and to save us. That in our challenges, there was one who loved us enough that even at our worst, he would pursue us. And friends, that's what I want you to see. Matter of fact, the heart of Christmas is found in just a couple of verses. One of those is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, where it just says this, She will bear a son. She is Mary. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When I think about that, what, I'm, what I see there is he will save his people from their mess, from their darkness, from the deep, dark crevices of their heart. But what's interesting is, is there was a guy named Paul who used to be Saul. He was a Pharisee. He was uh, an elite Jew who had an encounter with Jesus in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. But look what Paul said to his friend Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Look what Paul says. He says, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul said this, Of whom I am the foremost. Paul says, my life is a mess, but I'm so thankful that Jesus came to save the messy people like me. Which is good news, because though I dream of nostalgic Christmases, I've yet to have one. Though I dream of calendars that work in my favor, friends, the reality is they just don't. I dream of Christmas lights and a beautiful house, friends, it just doesn't always work out that way. Yes, I put up Christmas lights, but about a week and a half after the Christmas lights were put up, the winds blew and knocked them all off my house. I had to do it again. I didn't say any bad words, 
But my heart was in a really bad place. It was cold. I had no help. I felt alone. And I'm like, what in the world are we doing? And it was there that the Lord reminded me that in my darkness, in my selfishness, in my bitterness, that Christ came to be the Prince of Peace. That in my confusion, in my anxiousness, in my worry, in my striving, that he came to be my rest. That I could find fulfillment and purpose in him. That in the dark crevices of my soul, he sought to send his son, Jesus the Messiah, to invade every dark crevice with his light. And friends, that is the reminder of Christmas. He is our peace. He is our rest. He is our fulfillment. Friends, I just want you to know that Christmas is about this. Jacob, Jacob skipped with me to the very end. Jake, uh, Christmas is about God revealing himself to us in our mess through the Messiah. That's what Christmas is about. He meets us in our mess. And here's the good thing. You may go, you know what? I can relate. Anybody in here, like, I can kind of relate with you. Yes, praise the Lord. At least I'm not alone. But here's what I just want you to remind yourself of. That if your life is in any way unmanageable, any way messy, any way confused, any way your heart is kind of darkened a little bit like mine, here's what I want to remind you of. I want you to remind yourself of three things. And that simply is that Jesus is approachable, he's accessible, and he's available. And I'm going to leave that up for you on the screen for a few moments just so you understand and that resonates with you. Friends, he is approachable. What that means is no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, and absolutely no matter what has been done to you, there is a God in heaven who loves you and he is willing to meet you in your mess. Yes, your life is chaotic. Yes, you have deep parts of your heart that you haven't dealt with. Yes, there is anger and there is bitterness and there is striving and there is anxiousness and there is worry and there are so many things that you might be struggling with this season. Friends, here's the good news. You're not alone. And there is a God in heaven who says, no matter what you've done, where you've been or what's done to you, you can come to me and find peace and find rest. But here's the good thing, too, is he's totally accessible. Accessible in this sense that he identifies with you in every way. I mean, he knows what it's like to, to not have enough. And maybe you're worried because this year you don't have enough. And you feel like someone's getting cheated because you don't have enough gifts under the tree. Friends, there is a Savior who knows what it's like to be poor, who had no place to lay his head. He knows what it's like to... To be tempted and to struggle, he knows the difference was he never sinned. But what's incredible is he's still approachable. And more than that, he's accessible that no matter where you are at any time, he's available. What do I mean by that? It means that you don't need a church to be able to, to get to him. It means that you don't need a pastor, a priest. You don't need a confession booth. You can come to him anytime, any place, anywhere, because he is desiring to make you new. And so, friends, you may look at me and you may go, well, you're a pastor, you got together. Friends, no, here's the deal. The only reason I'm a pastor is because Christ has invaded my heart and changed my life. But what I want you to realize, my life is a mess every day. And I could say the same way that Paul said to Timothy, that I am the foremost of sinners. Every day, I'm reminded of the troubling things in my life. 
I am reminded every day of the troubling things in my mind. But more than that, I'm reminded that in my mess, there is a Messiah who is approachable, who identifies with me, who makes himself accessible anytime. And he's available to even the worst of us in this room. That, friends, is what Christmas is all about. And so maybe you're dreaming of something nostalgic, but the reality is those things aren't happening here on earth. Yes, great memories of the past, fantastic. Try to recreate them along the way with your own family, fantastic. But the problem is, is that in every single part of our journey, we're still reminded of one thing. Christmas is messy. And in our mess, we all need a Messiah. And I pray that many of us would turn to him and we would find rest, hope, comfort, peace, and joy when nothing else that you open or sing or eat will fulfill you in the ways that our Savior does. And I pray that will fill your soul to the brim, to the point where you overflow into others. Let me pray for us, friends. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that Christmas is about you meeting us in our mess. It's not about cards and trees and lights or presents. It's not about snow scenes or warm fires. The beauty of Christmas is that Christ came to cure the ugliness in our world. He came to let light shine in darkness. And as he revealed himself to Mary and Joseph, to the shepherds and to the wise men he desires. Lord, you desire this moment to reveal yourself to many of us in this room, some for the very first time. And so, Lord, would you just remind us of this truth that no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter what's been done to us, that you love us. And though our lives are unmanageable and out of control, you came to seek and to save that which is broken and lost. And you've made yourself approachable, accessible, and available. And so, Lord, we offer our lives before you and we ask for your help. Help this Christmas to make the main thing the main thing. And that is you as our Messiah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.